It is a real pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. You having a good day so far? So far, so good. Yeah, no complaints. Just uh, doing a little bit of work for my record label. Went to the gym. So all good. How about you? Yep, same, same. Well, not not the same. Not working on a record label. Didn't go to the gym, but sat here and spent about five, six hours working on a website-related stuff. So busy. Excellent. Good. Okay, cool. Um, how's everyone in the uh, everyone in the Davila Gaia doing right now? Overall, enjoying the post-release come down. <clears throat> yeah, I mean it feels good. Um, every time you write a record, you hope for the best. But uh, yeah, I mean we wrote wrote it for ourselves. We're really happy to have it out in the world, and then the feedback's been amazing. A lot of friends from you know years ago are reaching out saying, "Hey, love the record. Can't wait to see you." Because uh, you know we are on two different continents so hearing from some european friends is nice and uh but yeah the, the feeling's good and we start rehearsals for our tour in april in about i think a week a week and a half okay so you are are you using this time then just to kind of refresh refocus and get ready for that rehearsal time yeah exactly so i've been practicing um here in brooklyn by myself just to the album and uh yeah, just just working on the songs, trying to stay fit, stay healthy, and uh, then once we're together, we'll kind of iron out any small details. <clears throat> you looking forward to touring, though? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, as everyone knows, you know, with the pandemic, it was a uh, couple years there of no live music, so it was a big adjustment for everyone, myself included. But uh, yeah, it's going to be great to see the guys. Great to play some new songs live and to return to Europe after all this time. So yeah, I'm very excited. I'm glad, I'm glad. And it, you know, it's been one week exactly since uh, the release, as of the time recording of the new album, Silhouettes of Disgust, a stunning, incredible new album from you guys. You talk about the reaction, uh, friends, family, maybe even critical reviews, but on a more listener base, uh, things like social media and all that, are you paying much attention to that reaction? I would say yes and no. Um, like I said, I do run a record label and I have a social media manager for that specifically because it does get a little bit, uh, I would say difficult mentally <laughs> to be like promoting every day as an artist, but also running a business. There's this fine line. So I have uh, someone handling that. But as far as the downfall of Gaia stuff, yeah, I mean, people tag me or or send me screenshots or uh, even email me and be like, Hey, you know, X, Y, Z, or wow, I love this. Or, uh, that, you know, this is something new. I wasn't really expecting that. So yeah, I mean, I'm not really seeking it out, but a lot of, you know, friends and publications will just contact me because of our existing relationships. So, but yeah, it's been, it's been nice. Yeah. It's uh, all predominantly positive out there. That's one of the most exciting things to just do a little bit of a trawl through all of the band, social media, whatever platform you're on, and just, just read through the comments and stuff and sort of see the reaction from people who are, as well, finding you for the first time being blown away by this record. Yeah, that's interesting, too, because I, you know, we have our... I'll call them old school fans who, you know, who I met on the first album I did with Downfall of Gaia. And they've been coming to shows for 10 years or over 10 years. And, uh, you know, I, I was expecting them to be supportive, but the younger and new fans and, uh, yeah, just people online connecting with us has been really cool. 
Could you could you put your finger on why uh, those who are discovering you for the first time might be so into this record in particular? Is there any particular reason you can point out and say, you know what, I think this is why it might have that appeal? I mean, that's a tough thing to do. Um, I will say, myself included, and also from you know observing the music market during COVID, post-COVID, I do think people humans in general just want something new, something exciting, something, you know, just to feel something different, something outside of the box. Um, and I think with this record, we did do something different than our last three or four records. We, we did take some more risks. We tried some new things instead of just saying, Hey, let's just blast beat the whole record. It sounds <laughs> good. It is. It's good. Blast beats are always good. We did, you know, go outside the box a little bit with, D beats and some synth and some clean vocals. So um, I think that might be it. And mm. uh, I think also, I think also everyone just wants to connect and to, to feel something good or bad after something like the pandemic. So I think a lot of music consumers or people just interested in music in general are, are seeking out these different styles, different bands, just to kind of, you know, feel something again emotionally. Mm, that's a really good word uh, to use. Feel something again. Um, get out of the numbness, as you as you say, of the ment num mental numbness that's existed of the past few years. You kind of touched on a bit there as well. One of the most fascinating things about this record is it is an encapsulation of who Dimefall and Gaia are and were. So we're at the start to who you are now, while also being forward thinking. You talk about experimentation, you talk about new and fresh ideas. They're all there. They're all super interesting. But I've got to ask you then, was this the plan from the very start? Was this the vision? I would say it's a little bit of both. So uh, as we've done in the last few records, uh, Dominic and Peter would send guitar demos to me from, from Germany, and I would mm. just Go on, my, go on my laptop, give them basic MIDI drums. So as the song started coming in, we were discussing, all right, what's the theme? What's the lyrical idea? What's the feeling? Do we do we want X, Y, Z? And uh, as we started writing, there was some discussion like, hey, you know, I, I, I do hear this kind of beat. I do hear some D beat. I do hear instead of, uh, you know, um, what's it called? Tremolo guitar, more of like a, a strummed thing. So... I would say it was kind of an organic 50-50 thing. I don't think we came in saying, hey, let's go back to the roots 100%. But uh, it was it was important for us to move forward and evolve, but also kind of take a few pieces from the entire history of Downfall of Gaia and try to make something new with what's already been done while also looking forward. So it's, I would say both, like 50-50. <laughs> It makes a lot of sense because you listen to the record and what's going on there, whether it be stuff, stuff that hark back to earlier days or something that you've never heard from uh, you guys before, it still feels incredibly natural. But it also can't help make you think, oh, this might have been difficult to get into the right headspace at the time. Do you remember, do you remember having some trouble early on getting into that headspace? I mean, since it, it was so long and being isolated for so long, I would say there was definitely a learning curve for everybody again but once i mean we've been we've been writing together for i think over 10 years so it's mm. at this point i'm very used to just getting an email with a couple little ideas and then they're like do your thing so i'll do the drum <laughs> thing and then uh the real magic happens when 
we meet in person. I would, I would fly to Germany and we would spend two weeks just playing the stuff and saying, oh, yeah, that sounds terrible. Or, oh, wow, that sounds even better than the demo. So, um, yeah, that's at least the writing process. But getting in the headspace, uh, for me personally, I was never a gigantic D beat player. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, I, I know the, the drum beat, obviously, but uh, I... I kind of skipped that part of my musical journey. I, did, I wasn't really in a lot of punk or D beat bands. I just went right to uh, black metal or post or whatever. So uh, it was a bit of a learning curve with my headspace and just my playing style to go from aggressive blast beats to a more uh, slanky D beat and then back and forth. But uh, aside from that, the the headspace and the mindset and the emotional connection to everything was was pretty easy and straightforward i mean that's great to hear but going back to i say teaching yourself to play db as it were um what did you use what did you look to as tools and to teach did you teach yourself did you um hire someone um well first thing first we i mean i i would listen to some of the old uh downfall of gaia albums and demos (laughs) just to see like really where the roots were and then uh, any any associated bands, I think like Alpinist and a couple other German bands, they sent me. Um, and then, yeah, there's a couple of videos of a couple of the classic DB drummers on YouTube, even really bad camera angle, just like, you know, <laughs> 20, 30 year old videos, just basically showing their different variations. So I kind of uh, took all those influences and paid respects to those and also added a little bit of my own swing to to certain D beats on the record. Yeah. Yeah, you've listened to the album, you can identify um a combination of what is wholly new and unique to others where maybe there's a little bit of a tribute to someone else and another band and so on, but it all meshes nicely and doesn't fill out a place. It is, as I've said already, a fantastic album. And what's really interesting as well is reading uh, your story up to this point, it seems to have been a very streamlined and productive period from writing and going into the studio that gap there was it as streamlined as it seems i'll say yes and no um okay. you know it's looking back it's always it always seems easier than it was you know once you have have the thing it's like oh yeah it's done piece of cake but um you know writing i would say was easy uh we usually record i usually record in the US and they recorded in Germany. So uh, if I do recall, there was some problems with some of the files, something, I mean, so minute, it was like uh, maybe the sample rate or the bit rate or the the file size, something like that. And there was a couple of, uh, yeah, just a couple issues with the files, but in the end, everyone, all the engineers did their job and it came out really massive and I'm really happy with this sound, but uh yeah, I think that was the yeah the only hiccup. But aside from that, I mean, uh, yeah, I think it was overall a very positive process. And my only feedback would be next album, I would uh, I would want to do the whole record together in the same studio. All all of us would be there for everybody because mm. there is there is a slight disconnect. Even though we did talk every day on you know, video chat or email, I would send them, oh, here's the drums for the first three songs. We go, oh, yes, yes, uh, I don't like that that symbol or, you know, some little detail, so I'd redo certain parts. But uh, I think, in, yeah, the only feedback I would have is I would like to be with everyone next record, yeah. 
No, I think that's completely fair. I think um, people can't drop the image of, say, you're recording your drums in a completely different country and so on. The first question people go, why? Why, why was that the case? I think mainly schedules and mm. just, um, I mean, simply put money. Because for me, for me to fly to Germany and if, if stay with a band member or whatever, get a hotel, I'll probably stay with a band member. But, uh, you know, just the flights alone and scheduling XYZ, everyone else has jobs and lives yeah. right so uh for me I, I went to kevin at backroom studios i've done a lot of records with him um including the last downfall guy number 12 looks like you um some of my other groups and it's just it's just comfortable it was comfortable quick him and i know how to work together we don't i don't have to go meet another engineer mm -hmm. and we have to vibe so that's why we did it this way for the last couple records yeah but uh yeah having the problem with uh you know, the files and just language and time barriers, you know, it's a six hour difference. Uh, that that would be my only feedback is like, next time, let's, I'll fly over and we're just going to do it. <laughs> yes. As frustrating as any minor issue can be, the fact that it only comes down to those, I think is an incredibly positive thing that it wasn't openly a stressful period and you'd come out and feel very satisfied with what is out there. Particularly, as you said already, there are, firsts here we've mentioned some of them already and you touched upon uh utilization of synths in this do you remember how that came about and what the feeling or your feeling was when you first sort of heard those ideas yeah i definitely do um i remember the first demo peter sent with some synths and immediately i was like oh yes like something <laughs> I love I love our sound, but then when you have like this sound and then just like a little topping, a little extra ingredient on top, it just shoots it into outer space even further, in my opinion. So hearing any of these extra flavors, you know, you got blast beats and vocals going on for three, four, five minutes, and then all of a sudden you have the final finale and and on another layer of synth or or clean vocals. Um just was super exciting and uh yeah hearing those first demos i was very vocal and saying yes more <laughs> synth keep it going i was even trying to say double it do it twice as long <laughs> do it four times as long so i think uh <laughs> we landed at a, a really nice sweet spot of it's special but not overdone and uh it does elevate the music where it needs to be elevated yeah yeah, if there's uh, one area that seems to get uh, universal positive praise um, from the listener base, it is adding the synth from old school fans to new school fans saying, wow, that's amazing. So, yeah, more of that, basically. <laughs> uh, it Was was it your idea to bring Lulu Black from This Is Oblivion to provide vocals um, alongside? And was it an easy decision to have us sing with you? Yeah, so Lulu and I... Uh... We have another band together. We also are partners and live together. So we have a band called This Is Oblivion. And yeah. when we released that, um, I think it was Dominic or maybe everyone in our in our group chat, like, you know, we want a female vocalist and uh, we're looking around and then they heard the album, like, why don't we just have Lulu do it? And uh, we have a small, you know, recording set up here at the apartment. So it's pretty easy to just get her tracked and mixed and mastered. And uh, yeah, it was pretty seamless and uh, effortless, I would say, for everybody. This sounds amazing on the record. Absolutely. Great. Thank you. <laughs> 
Um, and as well, the album, uh, people don't know, has a bit of a fascinating narrative idea going on. The song's focusing on the stories of eight different people, residents of a fictional metropolis, each with their own uh, issues, worries, struggles, and so on. Where did that idea come from? And how did you particularly go about making that feel real for you? Yeah, um, I would say Dominic and Tony wrote all the lyrics, or I think Dominic wrote most of them and Tony helped a little bit with the song titles, the Tony Anton, the bass player. And uh, it was mostly their brain brainchild. And as far as how it, you know, I think they did a really good job uh, with Decibel's article, just uh, interviewing Dominic and detailing every song specifically what's going mm. on. But personally, uh, I mean, I think I and probably everyone can relate to someone or everyone that is portrayed on this album just because, I mean, I hate to keep bringing it up, but I mean, everyone is so beat down from the pandemic, uh, musicians, particularly creatives, and uh, I mean, the economy and the, the world outlook isn't getting better or great. Yep. So I think there is this underlying um, tone on the album and just personally as well. So uh, identifying with the lyrics and the vibe of the record and also emoting on the drums to, mm. to this concept was pretty easy and seamless. It was almost, you know, as if we were part of this metropolis already, you know? Yeah, because all the things you described, the things that do beat you down are beating you down as well. It doesn't matter what country we're in, everywhere has its own set of issues. You know, you're in America. I'm sitting here in the UK, the rest of the guys in Germany, and we all know what's going on all over these places. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about, is there one particular track on the record that you've noticed that the listener base are taking to perhaps more than any other that maybe you didn't expect them to before it was released? Yeah, let me just get the name 100% right. I have all of them written here. Uh, yeah, the, the last song, Optigrams oh. of Disgust seems to be i see the most uh feedback and uh people you know if they post a story they'll have that as the audio so i, I found that to be surprising i mean I, I you know we had our singles and i would assume the singles would be the ones that everyone would mm. latch on to but i'm very uh surprised and, and happy about that as well yeah oh that's amazing yes amazing and i always love that question because it almost always isn't the singles um, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because the singles sometimes have been out a lot longer. So people have moved on and then one in particular is getting more play than any others. But it's always fascinating when it's the finale. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it's, uh, yeah, as for how long I've been doing this, it's always <laughs> still surprising. You think you know a thing or two about music or the industry or uh, the, the current vibe of the world. And you're like, oh, well, I was 100% wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you're dealing with so many different shifts in the industry from different angles not just as a member of a band but also as running a label too so uh the ever shifting landscape it must be quite intense for you personally i imagine yeah i would say yes and no um i was just talking to a few friends about that because we just did a release it did really well and it's like leading up you're always kind of nervous and unsure and then post-release is like, okay, like, I I love to do this. All the stress and all the, the unknowns, once you're on the other side of it, like, yeah, this is 
what I was meant to do. And I love supporting bands and I love sharing music with the world. And uh, I think that like the stress to reward ratio is more on the, the reward side. Good. So that's, you know, that's why I keep doing it. Cause you know, if, if it was too stressful and I was just like losing my mind uh, with stress, then I would probably just be like, all right, let me, let me close the label. But right now it's still a lot of fun. Everyone involved is um, just so sweet and caring and um, just supportive and into it, which is really, I mean, that's the best when you work with people you like and care about, then it's, it doesn't seem like work. Well, um, for everyone who doesn't know, what is the name of the label? Silent Pendulum Records. Yeah, based here in New York. Yeah. There it is. Go check them out. All right. Um, Is it fair then to say, particularly as you're leading up to going to do um, preparation for the tour, that everything is quite relaxed in Davola Gaia at the moment? Uh, No expectations on what listeners expect of you per se, and you're just kind of enjoying things? Yeah, I would say, I would say yes. Um, the four of us are, I would say pretty hard critics about how we sound and the set list and what, Mm. how we want, how we want to portray this and share this to the, with the world on tour. So I know the, the three or four days of rehearsals will be intense, but we're all working on home, learning the lyrics, learning the drum parts, memorizing. So when we're in person, it'll just be fine tuning and being like, all right, let's flip these two songs maybe this is the first song in the set but uh i would say right now we're we're all in the zone just working separately but together to yeah. to get the, the best live show possible yeah yeah everything feels super hot for you guys right now as we said we have the album silhouettes of disgust which has only been out a bloody week it's got a long lot longer to run before um anything before it start the dust fully settles on that and of course the touring and whatever else 2023 has to hold Mike, we reached a part of the interview now where we do a quick fire round. It's 10 questions randomly taken from a pool of 500. They can be serious. They can be silly. How you answer them is up to you. So we are going to start with the first one. The first one, I guess it kind of applies maybe more to your bandmates, but you all have been there. So what is the best city, in your opinion, to visit in Germany? Hmm. Um, It has to be one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, well, you know what? If you've got more than one, absolutely. There are no rules to this. Yeah. I'll say Berlin and Hamburg. I mean, the band is based in both and they're both just so different and have so much to offer for, for anybody and everybody. So I, I really love both cities for totally different reasons. Never been to Hamburg, but I have been Berlin several times and it's one of my favorite cities in the world. I love it. Yeah. Cats or dogs? Where do you, uh, where do you sit? I mean, I love both, but I do have a cat and I do see myself in the future having two or three cats and a dog somewhere in the woods. <laughs> so, but right now I'll say cats since I have a cat at home. <laughs> yes, yes. Be careful to my dogs if uh, your cat's at earshot. <laughs> Sum up what a day in the life of Danful Gaia can be when you're all together. Uh, when we're rehearsing, it's pretty laid back. We'll have breakfast, uh, you know, with whoever, staying with whoever, since we're staying in the same mm. city. Um, everyone loves to walk around. So we'll probably walk to the rehearsal space for a nice, like, 30, 60 minutes, just casual. Uh, a nice rehearsal, usually three to five hours, depending on our schedule. And then uh, 
since you can drink beer outside, we'll have some beers walking around more. It's a beautiful thing to do in Germany. And uh, and then dinner somewhere, usually uh, pizza or uh, most of the guys are veggie or vegan. So like a veggie burger or a duna or something. Sounds like a lovely, that sounds like a lovely day out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who's a musical artist people might be surprised to know that you uh, appreciate? Uh, I just put the vinyl away, but Hans Zimmer, the uh, famous soundtrack composer. Yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't even know he did a lot of these movies, but one of my close friends, Brandon Cruz from So Hideous, the, uh, the band leader of that band that I'm in. He turned me on to him when we were writing the last record and it just really like Hans Zimmer got his claws into my soul and the uh, Inception and Interstellar soundtracks, I mean, are like, oof, mm. put that on, you put that on and then it's just like a whole uh, vibe. <laughs> Would you put those two at the top of your favorite Hans Zimmer um, soundtracks then? And if you had to choose between Interstellar or um what would you choose um the song the track time is oh. really that one is just i just i don't think there's even drums on it this blows me away i got the piano music i was learning it and uh oh, wow there's there's this phenomenal video of hans zimmer playing coachella 2017 you know the u.s like party event in the, the desert and he brought his whole orchestra and he ended the concert by playing time uh, on the piano and you can hear the other stage from like a mile away oh doing you know like this music and he's playing this and the crowd goes wild it's it's just uh i mean that that moment just does it for me it's just like such a uh gut-wrenching track yeah that is incredible amazing all right we have a debate over in this country in the uk uh that often causes arguments between different regions basically what goes on top of uh, chips, fries um, for an uh, uh, American. Um, so, in your opinion, what goes on top of fries? Is ketchup, curry, mayonnaise? I would say 100% ketchup and then sometimes a little bit of mayonnaise also. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's that one. It's the mayo one and the curry one in particular. That's why I threw them in there. That caused the biggest debate. Most people, yeah, ketchup and ketchup, but mayonnaise, for some people, it's literally like you spat in their face if you were to suggest that. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I can see how people would be upset about that. <laughs> um, so this one, I guess, applies if you do. You, do you drink alcohol? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so what kind of drunk are you? Are you a quiet person? Are you chatty? Are you loud? Are you funny? Are you annoying? Do you know? Um, probably all of those, but uh, <laughs> I would say I'm not not violent, so that's good, but I'm definitely uh, talk talkative, probably uh, too talkative, and uh, yeah, that's that's probably my kryptonite. Just, I'll talk until the bar closes, so. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, what is the most exciting thing about being in Downfall of Gaia right now in this in this moment? Uh, I mean, the new record and just being, having the, the gift and the opportunity to play live for people and for people to, to come and see it. I mean, mm. to, to, you know, to be in the band, to be a primarily German-based band and to get to tour there at least once a year. I mean, that's, it's, a, it's an honor and it's, uh, yeah. It's just a wonderful. gift. Yeah. That's wonderful. What is a movie that you consider a masterpiece? 
I used to really love V for Vendetta. That was okay. a huge one. And then uh, more recently, I really love uh, the movie X, the, the the horror film that came out recently. Oh, wow. That is a deep cut. That's amazing. That's um, kind of went under the radar for the most part. I would say, yeah, either you really love it or you just didn't hear about it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. amazing. Um, all right, last second, last one. D right, so you were clearly a very busy individual. We're not just talking about a band, you're talking about a label and I guess in your personal life too. So I have to ask then, do you have a favorite hobby and do you get to do it as often as you would like? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to say I would have hobbies because I, mm. I kind of built my whole life around drums, music, vinyl, yeah. piano. Um, but I do really enjoy fitness. So hiking, going to the gym. Um, I have a, a bicycle here. So riding, riding my bike around um, New York City is very exciting because I only moved here uh, three years ago to Brooklyn. So uh, that's probably my favorite. Yeah, biggest hobby is just riding my bike around the big city. I mean, I grew up in the in the woods. So uh, it's quite I do. Different. Yeah. yeah. Do you get to do it <laughs> as often as you would like, though? Uh, last year, yep, I finally made my way all the way around Manhattan. It was exciting, and then uh, literally yesterday, I signed up for something called the Five Borough Bike Race. Oh, and, yeah. So it's going to go all the way around all five boroughs and ends in Staten Island, and I think it's like fifty miles, something like that. So it should be fun and exhausting. <laughs> yeah, exhausting. Yeah, but you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, I've never been there, but I know immediately what you mean by five boroughs, and I'm thinking, wow, what a great opportunity just to see everywhere. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, last one before I let you go. What's something then you would really like to achieve with Downfall of Gaia over the next 12 months? Uh, let's see. Hmm. I mean, the tours are basically already booked. So that's that's just a matter of making them public. But I think in 12 months from now, it'd be great to uh, play play some more festivals again that we played let's say like 2016, we had a really big festival year. So the Hellfests, oh, yeah. da Download Fest, even something, you know, we're playing Damnation, which uh, is one of my favorite festivals, but it would be cool to play uh, another, whatever, another big festival. Bloodstock, or, stuff like that, yeah. yeah. Um, Inferno, anything we haven't played yet, honestly, because we had a great time at Hellfest, we had a great time at Vakin. Um, It would just be nice to next next summer to do them all again or do some new ones again because i really do love traveling and seeing new countries new festivals new people so i think that would be you know that would be the 12 month goal that is a very achievable goal um there's so many great festivals that you would fit on and of course as you already said it, you brought it up anyway you are at damnation as well at the end of the year and that is well that is becoming one of our premier festivals in the uk um yep. and it's gonna be immense Mike, thank you so much for taking the time to do thank this. You, thank really you. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for watching. If you liked what you saw, please help us out by giving us a thumbs up and hitting that subscribe button. If you really liked what you saw, consider donating to keep the website and channel running by buying us a coffee via our coffee page or picking up some merch from our Big Cartel store. You can check us out on gbhbell.com as well as via our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well as listen to our interviews via SoundCloud, Apple Music, and Spotify. Just search for GBHBL. Games, horror, and heavy metal. What else is life for?